Hello, hello, or should I say ho, 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 it's today's Sunday Scaries is the Expresso Crime Christmas episode as Christmas is already exactly one week away. Can you believe that? This year has absolutely flew by. I also can't believe that we are already on episode 100. Hello, three digits. Thank you all for having me in your ear and giving this podcast so much support. I love doing it and I appreciate your support so, so much. So with it being Christmas so soon and us spending Christmas on a cruise, I figure what better fit for today's episode than the sinister side of the holiday season and the craziest cruise crimes. Yes to a theme and it also just sounds like a super logical thing to do before embarking on a cruise, right? This is surely what people mean by researching a place before you go. So let's get this list started with a throwback crime. So Lee Shelton was a known criminal and pimp who went by the name Stagger Lee. Apparently this is famous for the song that was inspired by him. If you know the song, well there's that. I have no idea at all. So just going to continue on with the crime point of this. So it was Christmas night in 1895 in St. Louis, Missouri. Lee Shelton and Billy Lyons were playing cards together in a saloon. There, Billy Lyons grabbed Lee Shelton's hat. Lee Shelton then shot and killed Billy Lyons. We're really just, we're just getting right into it on this episode. Second on the list, in 1947, Eileen Gibson was on a cruise out of South Africa. The deck steward, James Cam, was said to be coming infatuated with her and ignored a senior officer telling him to stop fraternizing with her a guest. Eileen Gibson was last seen on deck by the watchman, James Murray. He knocked on her cabin door a few hours later as he was responding to a cabin call signaling the steward. James Murray found James Cam, that's the James that was told to stop fraternizing with her in her bed. James Murray, though, was not allowed to enter the room. The next morning, Eileen Gibson was gone, and James Cam was attempting to explain marks and scratches on his shoulders and arms. This is terrible. This is just so many red flags. Police boarded the ship when it docked at Southampton. James Cam claimed he had consensual sex with Eileen Gibson, but that she had a seizure during and died. He said he panicked and pushed the woman's body out of the porthole in her room. I think panic is just a bit of an understatement there. James Cam was convicted of her murder and sentenced to death. The sentence was commuted and he was released in 1959. His parole, though, was revoked after he tried to attack schoolgirls and he was sent back to prison to serve the remainder of his life sentence. Eileen Gibson's body was never found. That is absolutely tragic and just like the fact that he's admitted to pushing her body out of a porthole in her room. That's just that's a big no. Third on the list, on December 28, 1987, Ronald Gene Simmons walked into a law firm in Arkansas. There he shot and killed a receptionist who he was infatuated with, but had turned him down. What is the back-to-back cases here on just guys being infatuated? This is horrible. Okay, so then he went into the office of an oil company and shot two executives, killing one and injuring the other. He then drove to a convenience store where he used to work and shot two more people. Both thankfully survived. He then went to another company. He shot and wounded a woman there. He then sat down and waited for police to arrest him. This is a really crazy case. Six days previously, he had shot and strangled his wife two sons and four daughters. 
He sat amongst their bodies for four days. What in the world? On Boxing Day, nine relatives showed up at this home, including grandchildren. He killed them all. What in the world? On June 25, 1990, the governor of Arkansas at the time signed his execution warrant and he was killed by lethal injection. That is a really, really just wild case. That's what I'm just like, wow. Fourth on the list is another cruise crime. So in February 1988, Scott Roston and Karen Waltz got married in Vegas. This was very impulsive, I guess. I mean, it fits. It's Vegas, right? They then went on a cruise for their honeymoon. Nine days after the wedding, Karen went overboard and drowned. Fellow passengers said that the couple had argued on board and that Scott was very intimidating to his wife. He was really angry when he saw her eating sweets and using the wrong utensils. Scott then claimed that his wife had actually been swept overboard by a strong wind, but the wind velocity at the time had been no no more than five miles per hour. Forensic evidence showed damage to Karen's neck consistent with strangling and cuts and scratches to Scott's face, which showed a struggle. Scott changed his story once this information came to light and claimed that they had been attacked by assassins. Oh my goodness. He further stated that he was unconscious before the assassins killed her. Scott was sentenced to life in prison and after an appeal was done, it was reduced to 30 years. I'm sorry, assassins? Like, okay. Moving on, number five on the list. We have talked about this case before on last year's Christmas episode, but we've gotten, like, not, I'm not trying to, oh my gosh, we have so many listeners, but there's been so many new listeners that I was like, okay, let's include it. It's only one repeated case. If you haven't listened to last year's Christmas special, there was Um, like part of it was all these crime cases, which are really interesting. And then the second part was just like talking about Christmas with Ollie. And it was just so, so funny. So if you've not listened to that, definitely check that out. Um, I will put the episode number for last year's Christmas special in the description box, but let's get back into this. So number five on the list in the late hours of Christmas in 1996, a six year old child who was a beauty winner, like beauty pageant winner, went missing from her home in Boulder, Colorado. The next morning, her parents found a ransom note demanding $118,000 in exchange for her return. Her parents then called the police and the police found no evidence of forced entry. While the police were searching the home, the six-year-old's dad found his daughter who was murdered and her body was abandoned in the basement. She was found to have died by strangulation and had a skull fracture. Police initially suspected the parents of killing their own child and staging the ransom note. However, after a very long and public investigation of the parents, they didn't find enough evidence to prove this theory and the parents were cleared. They then focused on the possibility that an intruder snuck into the home intending to kidnap the six-year-old but accidentally killed her and fled instead. The investigation is completely stalled and this to this day remains unsolved. Number six on the list. Amy Bradley was on a cruise ship with her father in March 1998. On March 24th, Amy was drinking with the band on board and was with one of the band members until 1 a.m. Amy's father, Ron, said that he woke up around 5 or 
5.30 and saw Amy on the balcony of their cabin. When he woke up at 6 a.m., Amy was not there. The ship docked in Curacao and, and a four-day search was conducted. There was no evidence or signs at all. Over the years, there has been many people reporting sightings of Amy in Curacao, but at this time, it remains an unsolved case. That is like the no evidence and just like completely vanishing is just that adds like such an extra layer of scary sinister. Number seven on the list was O'Neill Perswad, who was a 31-year-old from Toronto, Canada, but was staying at an all-inclusive in the Bahamas, and there was really no reason for him to even be getting on a cruise. He didn't have a booking or anything, but he was seen getting on a ship at St. Martin with a woman. When he asked a crew member for food and a room, he was apprehended and placed in an isolation cell. After being placed in, in confinement, it was reported that he became violent and suicidal. He went through three security guards and two cans of pepper spray was put on him before he was re restrained by another five men and then sedated. He was pronounced dead shortly after. No other drugs were found in his system. His death was ruled accidental, but his family maintains that he was murdered. So a really sad one that don't want to be like, oh, it's preventable, but he didn't have any reason to be on it. So just a really tragic case there with it being, was it accidental or was it a murder? Eighth on the list, in July 2005, George Smith V and his wife of just a few days started out on their cruise honeymoon. They had been together previously. They were um, engaged and then dating for a couple years before that. And he was on the wealthy side. He had allegedly bragged about having $50,000 in his cabin while being very drunk in the cruise casino. He was with four men, and those were the four men he was last seen with. Uh, those four men claimed that they put him to bed and then left, but witnesses described the sound of furniture being moved and very loud and arguments going on in that cabin. There was also a blood smear 20 feet below his cabin on the lifeboat canopy. In the beginning, suspicion surrounded Mark's disappearance on his wife, and that was to the point of her going on Oprah to defend herself. Later, the suspicion then focused on the group of four men that he was last seen with. Of those four men, only one of them was forthcoming with um, information when being asked questions. The others either responded with they were using their Fifth Amendment right or they didn't have any memory of that. The one that was forthcoming was Greg Rosenberg, who later was serving three years for trafficking oxycodone. In 2015, the FBI announced they would be closing the case. There is no information on it. It is unsolved, but it is closed. Ninth on the list, this is going to be a longer one because of the backstory. It just seems, you, I can't give you what happened without kind of painting the picture of it. So Mickey Kanowski was a paralegal in 1995. She married Lonnie, who was a lawyer. This would be Lonnie's second marriage. By 2002, they divorced, but they continued to live together while they sorted out their assets. Mickey severed from arthritis and couldn't work as a paralegal anymore, so she turned to investing. That was very lucrative for her, and it allowed her to pay off their home mortgage. In 2005, Lonnie got married for a third time and told Mickey they should sell their home so they could then split the proceeds of it. 
As Mickey paid off the mortgage, she believed she was entitled to stay in the house and Lonnie filed a court motion to try to force her into selling. Then Lonnie just randomly dropped the legal motion and left his new wife after just a few months of marriage and moved back in with Mickey. Within months, the relationship seemed stronger than ever and they were even talking about getting remarried. This feels like really nice so far. Lonnie had divorced the third wife and then drew up new wills, naming himself the executor of Mickey's estate in the event of her death. Not so nice now. That just feels a little too calculated and put together. In May 2006, Lonnie arranged the cruise holiday for them both. It was unusual for him to spend money on a holiday like this, but he planned it all out, which Mickey appreciated the effort he was putting in. He spent a lot of time planning it and picked a balcony room so they could enjoy the ocean views. From California, Lonnie and Mickey flew to Spain and then they set sail for Italy. On the evening of May 25th, 2006, they had dinner and they shared a bottle of wine. They then went to the ship's casino to watch a show and then they went back to their cabin. Early the next morning, Lonnie alerted the crew that Mickey was missing. He said Mickey had left the room just after midnight to get a cup of tea and he's, he had taken a sleeping pill. When he woke up, Mickey wasn't there and a full-scale search then started. There was no sign of Mickey and the only explanation was that somehow she fell overboard. Lonnie told authorities that perhaps Mickey had been tipsy from the wine they had and stumbled overboard. He also suggested that she had a history of depression and maybe she took her own life. This was strongly denied by her family. On May 28th, a vessel doing oceanography research discovered a body floating in the sea. This would be later known to be Mickey and an autopsy would be done. Side note, the chances of that happening just seem so like that is crazy that they were able to find her. At this point, Lonnie is back in the U.S. and back in the arms of his third wife, Amy, who would later tell authorities that when Lonnie had left her the first time to return to Mickey, he insisted he still loved her and didn't want to leave her. It was revealed that Mickey's lungs were completely free of water, meaning that when she hit the water, she wasn't breathing. She also had sev severe hemorrhaging around her neck, which was consistent with strangulation and a skull fracture. Investigators determined that Mickey had been killed and thrown off the ship and Lonnie was the primary suspect. The travel agent was concerned about the trip because it was a lot of effort as far as getting there. They had to fly from California to Minnesota to London then Spain before setting off in Italy and then so it just seemed like a lot like for considering it was just like no real reason to be doing it. It wasn't an anniversary. It was just you know just seemed like a lot to the travel agent. But Lonnie insisted it was perfect and noted the importance of a balcony room, which just seems, I I booked a, f a few holidays similar to this and at no point are you ever just desperate for something like I have to have a balcony. It just, it definitely seems, now that we've kind of learned what happened, very premeditated. So the investigation focused in on her husband, Lonnie, and there was no evidence found on the cruise ship, though. It was also noted that the ship had a clear drop down to the sea from every room, which was unusual. The FBI believed that Lonnie had gone out of his way to find a ship like this. Before the trip, Lonnie had even asked a friend and a retired 
officer about the security on cruise ships, such as CCTV cameras, etc. So at this point, Lonnie has inherited more than $1 million from the combined money in their bank accounts and the sale of their home that Mickey didn't want to sell at all. At this point, all that's missing is life insurance. Like really, he got, you know, put on her will in case she was to die. He's got the combined bank accounts. He got the house he wanted to sell. Like I'm surprised he didn't do life insurance as well. The FBI was investigating but lacked the evidence to charge Lonnie. By 2013, Lonnie had left Amy again and married and divorced a now, so he has a fourth wife, and moved from California to Florida. It was then that Amy went to police saying she was afraid of Lonnie, but she wanted to tell the truth. She said Lonnie had told her that he's asked someone to come on and on the cruise and kill his wife in return for money, but they wouldn't do it. Amy also admitted she got rid of a computer hard drive that had evidence because Lonnie told her to and was afraid of what would happen. Amy agreed to testify against Lonnie. Years after Mickey's death, Lonnie was arrested and charged with murder. While in prison, an inmate claimed Lonnie came up to him and was kind of talking to him, seeing how they could have Amy murdered to stop her from testifying against him. Like, this is so, so crazy. Like, digging the hole even bigger. Okay, continuing on. The trial was delayed due to legal problems as the death was on international waters, but it was determined that the planning of the murder took place in California, so the trial could be held there. That is such a huge, like, already win in this. So the trial began. Lonnie pleaded not guilty and claimed he and Mickey were planning to get remarried and the cruise had been the start of their new life together. At age 62, Lonnie was convicted of first-degree murder with the added conviction of murder for financial gain. Three months later, he was sentenced to life in prison without the chance of parole. Number 10 on the list, Tammy Grogan. Her 14-year-old son and mom went on a four-day cruise to Mexico in 2006. One day, Tammy was nowhere to be found, but her group figured she was abroad the ship enjoying her day. When they docked, they realized something was wrong. She had been missing at this point for 36 hours. Investigations led to the discovery that the cruise was paid for by Craig Morgan, who Tammy forbid her son from being around. But despite her suspicion, she accepted the tickets. Craig Morgan was not on the cruise, but investigators discovered a date rape drug was in one of Tammy's last known drinks. Officially an unsolved mystery. That one is just like... There's so little about it, but it is just so sinister. And I feel like if you got to the, if they ever, uns, like if they ever solved that, I feel like it would be so, so crazy. Number 11, this is another one that needs the backstory. So a little bit longer, Robert McKill and Shirley dated in high school and decided to break up. 30 years later, a high at a high school reunion, the two got back together and they got married. In July 2009, the married couple went on a five-day cruise to Mexico to celebrate Robert's 55th birthday. One night on the cruise, Robert had been drinking heavily and could barely walk. He claims to have no memory of what happened or what triggered him, but he brutally beat his wife after returning to their cabin. He strangled her and left her on the bathroom floor, changed his clothes, and went out on the deck to smoke a cigar. That is so, so unhinged. 
Later that night, he met another couple for more drinks. They asked where his wife was, and he confessed to having killed her. It literally gets more unhinged. Wow. Robert was taken into custody when the ship docked in LA, and he was sentenced to life in prison. Like, what in the world? Number 12. Next on the list takes place in Bristol when Joanna Yates disappeared. The disappearance made local news almost immediately and the search brought into the whole of the UK. A week later, on Christmas Day, her body was found in the snow three miles from her home. Two UK tabloids, The Mirror and The Sun, were later found guilty of contempt of court for their poor coverage as Joanna's landlord was harassed and labeled the murderer without any proof. He was vindicated when the neighbor, Vincent Tabak, was arrested and charged with her murder. That is really sad, but it's also a bit sad for the landlord who was literally just like having, you know, press saying, oh yeah, he did it when he was completely innocent as well. Number 13 on the list. In 2011, a 20-year-old by the name of Alyssa Kerr went on a cruise with a friend's family. Reportedly, she had gone through a breakup and had recently found out she was pregnant, believing she was just around six weeks um, because she didn't realize how far along she was, thinking she was just six weeks. She didn't tell anyone on the cruise. No one knew. One night, while everyone was asleep, she began to have severe cramping. The next morning, a cleaning crew reportedly found a baby wrapped in a towel under a bed in her cabin. This is so, so terrible. So Alyssa originally claimed that she thought the baby was stillborn, but an autopsy performed determined that the baby had been born alive and died to failure to thrive as a result of exposure and the lack of care. So as previously mentioned, she didn't tell anyone that she was pregnant, but she also didn't try to get anyone to help her or seek medical attention at all. So she was charged with involuntary manslaughter four years later. She pleaded guilty and the charge carried a 33-month minimum sentence, but she was credited with time served and sentenced to one day in jail. That's just a really sad case. Okay, number 14 on the list. Rebecca Coriam was working on a cruise line and kept in regular contact with her family while she did so. On March 21st, 2011, the ship set sail from LA to Mexico and Rebecca messaged her family and said she'd contact them the next day. The next day, Rebecca missed her shift and a search started for her. The ship security reviewed CCTV on board and saw Rebecca on one of the telephones in the crew area around 5.45 a.m. She looked very distressed and then she walked away. She remains a missing person. Again, just like vanished into thin air. That is so sad and it's just like with just literally like remaining a missing person and just the like the no trace is just something, it's just so crazy. 15th on the list is Christmas 2011 in Florida when Michelle O'Dowd offered Patty White to stay with her over the holiday season. Patty was considered a family friend and she was someone that Michelle would often help out, giving her odd jobs to make extra money, etc. Michelle trusted Patty with her bank card so she was able to pick up groceries for them and she ended up withdrawing one thousand dollars at two atms but it would get so much worse michelle's twin brother went to check on her at her home which was in a gated community when she didn't arrive at work there at the house he found michelle's car and dog the chairs and tables tables were all knocked over he then saw the ransacked christmas tree with a foot amongst the presents his sister was found beaten and strangled 
Patty White was pulled over after driving from Florida, where she was staying with Michelle, to South Carolina. There she confessed and was arrested. She was sentenced to 45 years in prison. Again, just so, so terrible. 16th on the list is Fariba Amani of Vancouver, Canada, disappeared while on a Bahamas cruise in 2012. Her boyfriend, Ramez Golshani, said he last saw her at 1 a.m. when he was heading to the casino alone. What is with these casinos? When he would return to their cabin, Fairbia was not there. He decided to go to sleep and figured she'd return at some point. That is just a giant red flag. When he woke up and she still wasn't there, he went looking for her. After looking, he alerted the crew. Finally, the disappearance of Fairbia Amani remains unsolved. Another unsolved one on a cruise. Like, this is just so crazy. 17th, on Christmas Day in 2013, Alexis Valdez found himself without a home. This was after his aunt and her boyfriend asked him to move out. He initially was allowed to to live with them as long as he remained in school, worked, and helped out with the bills. At some point prior, he quit his job and and school and he was no longer holding up his end of the deal with helping out with things. That's when the aunt and boyfriend asked him to move out. The 18-year-old confronted his aunt's boyfriend. Things quickly escalated and got violent. That's about to be a massive understatement. He killed the boyfriend with a hammer. He mutilated the body and then decapitated him, leaving his head in the aunt's bed. She was out of the house at the time. Alexis Feldes then called the police reporting a dead body. When police arrived, they found him covered in blood and he admitted to the police what happened on arrival. In 2017, he was sentenced to 33 years in prison. Like, just another very unhinged Christmas. Like, wow. 18th on the list, also on Christmas in 2013, this time in Australia, is when two drug addicts, Daniel Kerr and Darren Lewis spent the day with Bill Stevenson. Their motives aren't super clear, but the pair drove him out to the bush and started beating him in the head with a large rock. Danielle Kerr then stabbed him to death. The pair then set the car on fire and walked home. They were both arrested, charged, and convicted after. How cruel and bizarre. 19th on the list, and it's also Christmas Day in Scotland in 2013. Criminals on Christmas Day were really busy in 2013, like busier than Santa. So Melissa Young, who was 37 at the time, brutally killed her neighbor. At the time, her motive was due to rage that she felt when the neighbor rejected her Christmas present, and that was a pair of unisex trainers and a newspaper's calendar that was a bit like raunchy adult rated. She was sentenced to a minimum 20-year sentence, and since being jailed, she has seriously assaulted two officers, so just awful all around. Last on the list, number 20. On April 2nd, 2015, newlyweds John Banner and Darla Mellingen Banner were both found dead in a bloody cabin during their second cruise in Puerto Rico. Upon investigation, it was determined that John had stabbed his wife to death and then took his own life with the same weapon. Five months before the murder-suicide, police went to the home of the couple where the wife had sustained a stab wound to the center of her chest from the husband. The couple explained that it had occurred when the husband went to show his wife an old military dagger and tripped on a rug. The explanation seemed plausible to police and no further action was taken at the time. I guess like, you know, they say walk with scissors down, maybe don't trip over a rug with 
holding a military dagger like that just that seems like a lot of red flags but i guess at the time it was plausible so that wraps up today's episode there will be no episode for sunday which is christmas and then the sunday scaries will resume on sunday january 1st thanks for listening bye for now